Oh, yay. Oh, wow. Pervertibles. Yeah. Fantastic. You may have noticed that X-Files podcast is now Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formicella. I've still got weekly content for you on beating your breakup, healing your broken heart, and moving on to an amazing, abundant life. Same great resource with a name to match. Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formicella. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to learn from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical, sexy new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. I'm ready. All right. Super. Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. Today we are doing, I suppose, a Moving On episode, which I'm excited about bringing more of these into the show. And I have with me my friend and colleague, which I'm very proud to say, to use the term colleague to describe you. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Janice. I've been here before and I was thinking, oh, when, how long ago was it? I love being on podcasts and thank you for having me as a guest. You are very, very welcome. We talked about um, expanding possibilities for pleasure as part of sexual health awareness month and you were one of the very first people who I interviewed after I became a solo podcaster I'm Mm. not sure if you remember that aspect of it we're back here today to talk about pleasure again and I'm really looking forward to this topic today we are talking about foreplay or what's another term that people are using outer course (laughs) I don't know. I, okay. I, I was sharing with you. I don't even like the term foreplay. Wonderful. I'm excited <laughs> to get into this and we will definitely, you know what, maybe we can even come up with some new terminology between the two of us. I love it. Um, I, I always like to start out with kind of like my intention and why I'm doing this episode. So for me, I know that after a breakup, a lot of people want to think about how to do things differently in their next relationship focusing on continuing to promote intimacy with your partner in between sexual encounters as part of sexual encounters is one way to do that. And exploring sexual pleasure and sexuality can be a great thing to do in between relationships. And thinking about foreplay is one way to do that. I mean, maybe you could even consider foreplay or expanding intimacy just with yourself in between mm-hmm. self-pleasure mm-hmm. and as part of self-pleasure. And of course, some people have casual sex partners, friends with benefits, that type of thing in between serious relationships. And so I thought this would be fun. 
And I also know that this is something that you are particularly interested in. And I really do consider you to be quite an expert when it comes to possibilities for pleasure. So Steve, why do you think this is something important to learn about, particularly if you're single? Because I have a lot of single listeners, perhaps most. So how can this be important even if you're not in a relationship? As you were just talking about uh, talking, I just thought about something that uh, we didn't discuss ahead of time, kind of in preparation. But I did a whole presentation on this the other day, and it's where I start with people a lot, and that's the ABCs. Okay, let's hear. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) So, really, what I call the ABCs are agency, boundaries, and consent. All right. And agency is really knowing that you have a voice, and your voice matters. Mm-hmm. So that includes, what do I want? What feels good to me? Learning how to express that and ask for that, as well as knowing that I'm going to choose relationships and connections with people who will honor that and respect mm-hmm. that. And knowing when I haven't, you know, when I've chosen people or relationships where they don't honor my voice, they don't, I, I feel constrained with yeah. this person. I don't know how to ask for what I want. So really our relationship with ourselves and our own pleasure starts here, not in, you know, once I do find a partner, I got to know, what do I like? You, know, you and I, we both talk about self-pleasure a lot. Like that's yeah. a great place to start. Like, cause until I know what I truly like, what feels good to me, I don't know how to ask for it or express it to a partner. Mm-hmm. And then the B, ABCs, B is boundaries. Knowing what is a no for me, where I say, you know, that's a no for me. And that might change from time to time. You might be a really clear no forever around certain things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like to be blindfolded. <laughs> okay, so there, that you know, <laughs> I do. Uh, you have a partner that likes that. It's like, well, that's that's not a thing for me. It's not on the table. <laughs> yeah. So so there might be some very clear no's. There might be some cl- some no's that have some room in there. Mm-hmm. Like there might be some people who are like, eh, generally, I don't like to be blindfolded, but I might try it. You know, <laughs> but that's not you. Mm-hmm. And then there, there, there would be what I call the C's, consent. What are your yeses? And then there's hard yeses, like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Or like, gee, I'm not sure, but I think I like it, or I've liked it before. <clears throat> and then there's what I call embodied consent, which is in the present moment. Like right now, I want to have my back scratched. Oh, okay. Maybe not later. Yeah. And I'm so taking notes, comes- everyone. That's partially why I'm being slow to respond. <laughs> Say that again. I'm taking notes. This is great. (laughs) And I noticed, so we have agency, we have ABC, agency, boundaries, consent, but then you jumped to E with embodied consent. So we got to get a D in there. Oh, thank you. Gosh, (laughs) I never thought of that. Um, Because I've always considered embodied consent just a part of, so I'm going to look for a D. Okay. I'll think about it. But Um, I think that when it comes to a foundation of my relationship with my own body, that I have to start there before I can actually engage with a partner so that I'm responsible for my pleasure. I'm responsible for this feeling good, whatever it is we're about to do, whether it's just holding hands and going for a walk or whether we're going to have a sexual connection. Agreed. And I really want to, we'll continue to bring this up as we go through the episode, but this is a completely two way thing. You are just as responsible for letting your partner know what you want as far as quote unquote foreplay goes as your partner is for doing it. 
and and so I want to continue to bring bring that up partially because of something that we talked about in heterosexual relationships there is this idea that men are get lazy or that men don't get the woman ready yeah. and <clears throat> This is a very problematic way to look at sex and foreplay because it's not just on on him. It's just yeah, as much that, on the female to let him know as anything. Yeah. And that actually puts the responsibility on, and like you said, it's been a cult, become a cultural narrative that goes yeah. back a long way where the male or the leading partner, if, if we want to look at non- non uh heterosexual you know Thank all you. relationships Thank the you. partner who leads and in in a dynamic of a relationship there might be people taking turns or there might be one who leads and the other one is a more submissive role or a more receptive role so the partner who leads and we can keep it hetero, hetero, heterosexual if you want the male and because that has become a meme in our culture is lazy or doesn't listen or doesn't know what to do that makes them responsible for their partner's pleasure. Well, also they may just be doing what always has worked. Before we started recording, I was telling Steve about how when I was married, and especially the last maybe year and a half, two years, <clears throat> I did what what I've come to learn many women do, especially in marriages, which is I would purposely go to bed before him. And if I hoping to be to sleep before he got to bed. And, you know, this is a little embarrassing to admit, and I'm definitely being vulnerable with this, but I just yeah. know that this is such a common dynamic in marriages particularly. And sometimes if I wasn't asleep when he came to bed, I would, I was actually, I would start to dread it over like the later the relationship got yeah. because there would have been nothing to prepare me for a sexual encounter, but yet he'd come to bed and almost like immediately go for it. And mm -hmm. I would often just go along with it. Yeah. But <laughs> I, have, I have to say now, knowing what I know, this had been a pattern in our relationship for so long that yeah. he just like, well, this works. Yeah. So <laughs> why oblivious, wouldn't he? Oblivious. Yeah. And, you know, and then this partner should read my mind and know that this doesn't work for me. Yeah. So let's get more and more into it. Absolutely. So I guess before we totally get started, what do we mean by foreplay? And I want everybody to really pay attention because part of the issue that Steve and I are going to be talking about today is that we've got to change these definitions. We need to maybe even toss this word completely out. We need to stop thinking about it as an appetizer and a main course and penetration versus everything other than penetration. The way that people think of it often is sexual acts that lead to intercourse. This actually came from WebMD, which bummed mm. me out a little bit. Wikipedia says foreplay is a set of emotionally and physically intimate acts between one or more people meant to create sexual arousal and desire for sexual activity. Can we pause there for a second? Oh yeah. Because I actually think that's really useful. Okay. Because couldn't that be holding hands? Mm -hmm. couldn't that be me sending you a text oh yeah could me that be me buying you a flower yes couldn't that be <laughs> you making me dinner or you giving me a hug what the action is is almost irrelevant but the intention is what or the real power is and is the intention mutual if i'm intending that i wink at you as a way to flirt and arouse you and you're receptive to that, 
then we're aligned mm -hmm. and we're both like now playing together. You know, mm -hmm. have you ever gotten turned on by something completely non-sexual and you know nothing overtly sexual and all of a sudden you're feeling aroused of course yeah or something even non-intended i mean today we're going to be talking about intended actions but yes uh, definitely i definitely i have sometimes even when i see my partner talking and the way that he commands a conversation yeah. um i i i do but i wouldn't really consider that to be foreplay because he doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> but mm. I think what you're saying is actually this wiki definition is, uh, is not that bad. In fact, mm -hmm. the Wikipedia page goes on to say, although foreplay is typically understood as physical sexual activity, non-physical activities such as mental or verbal acts may in some context be foreplay. So whoever is editing the Wikipedia page yeah. for foreplay, <laughs> nice work. And then we go back to Merriam-Webster and things get a little problematic again. And their definition is erotic stimulation preceding sexual intercourse, mm. which is what I don't like about it is I did quite a bit of research for this, even went on Google Scholar, listened to some other podcasts, which I will link in the show notes, actually. And I have to say, Steve, almost everything that I either listened to or read referred to either intercourse or penetration. And that mm. really bummed me out. So this is a segue into why are these definitions or why is that way of thinking about foreplay so problematic and outdated and holding both couples and individuals back from actual sexual pleasure? Yeah. Well, from my experience, it takes pleasure and puts a script to it. You know, mm -hmm. every couple or individual might have their own particular script, but it divides the experience as and I use the example with you, like, you know, you go to dinner and then there's the main course and everything else is just an appetizer and it's not as exciting. You're, you're really preparing for the main course. Yeah. Or I used another example of you go to a concert and there's the opening act. Some people skip the opening act or they're mm -hmm. still settling in their seats or at the bar, getting a drink, waiting for the, the headliner. So mm -hmm. it creates an experience of sex being penetration, being the thing that it is, that it's all about. Whereas really it's all pleasure. Yeah. What if me stroking your earlobe is as pleasurable as climaxing? Mm -hmm. What if we could attune our bodies to pleasure that way? Then when you're going for a walk and holding hands, that's foreplay. Back to what I was saying, if your intentions are aligned about we're going to explore some erotic connection, there's also platonic touch. When mm -hmm. the intention is like, we're going to hold hands and go for a walk just to hold hands because it feels nice. Okay. There's affection. There's, but then there's the shared intention of, okay, we're going to play erotically mm -hmm. today. We're going to explore pleasure. And I also think of it as within the context of a committed relationship of whatever type, that it's the intention of keeping each other, the two of you equally activated and charged up when you're around each other and when you're not. It's yeah. kind of how I think of it. I love that. Yeah. And I think for me, this is problematic because going back to what you said, but in different term is that it makes sex less goal oriented. Yeah. And it also takes the emphasis away from both penetration and orgasm, penetration and orgasm being wonderful things that I think a lot of people would, would agree. <laughs> but when we make those the goals, we miss out on so many possibilities yeah. and opportunities for so many more types of pleasure and more frequently as well. Yeah. So it's really interesting because we can hold this new way of 
uh, relating to erotic expression and exploration. And we'll get into it a little bit. There is an arc to arousal. True. And if you look at climaxes, one point along that cycle or scale, then yes, that is something you want to be mindful of. And it's like a wonderful experience. But there's so much pleasure leading up to climax. And there's also post post climax pleasure too. So if we can learn to just de-emphasize the point of climax a yeah. little bit and re-emphasize the other experiences, then it's completely changing the our relationship to what we call foreplay. Absolutely agreed. And I think maybe I'll just toss this out here now. I think a perfect example is oral sex. Mm-hmm. Almost everything that I used to do my research for this including conversations with friends one that i had just yesterday said that they considered oral sex to be foreplay Mm. and i'm like completely disagreeing i think that i don't know for me Mm. that's just as much sex as anything else Mm. but and that you know that makes me sad i agree with you thank you it's like sometimes (laughs) giving oral sex is what i'm focused on it's like oh my gosh I remember this. I can't wait to be with my partner and taste her that way. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes receiving it might be the thing that excites me in my thoughts. And to say or to have in your mind that sex hasn't taken place yet because you've only had oral, like I said, bums me out a bit for the people yeah. who think that way. Mm-hmm. So all this being said, Let's talk about why this is so important and why it's beneficial to couples. And because you are more of an expert in this area than I am, if you want to reiterate or inject (laughs) how it's also important for singles as we go along, I -hmm. would personally appreciate that. Yeah. So first of all, I came across a really interesting study that said that in heterosexual relationships, both men and women underestimated their partner's desired duration of both penetration and foreplay. Mm. And so this is important for couples just simply because chances are your partner may be wanting more of it. Mm. (laughs) Another reason it increases sexual arousal and increases the intensity of a sexual experience. So therefore, if you are already feeling activated is the term I like, or quote unquote turned on before sexual activity starts taking place, the intensity is already starting at a pretty high level. And so it increases the intensity of the overall experience. So for those who are looking for crazy, quote unquote, mind blowing sex, putting a little more effort into what happens before is beneficial. So I wanted to hear from you about this next one. Mm -hmm. Foreplay, for lack of a better term, can be useful for men who feel they lack stamina. A lot of things came up around performance, erectile dysfunction, that type of thing. Focusing more on foreplay and non-penetrative acts can be really useful for men who struggle with this, both if they feel they have a physical dysfunction as far as maintaining an erection, or if they simply have performance anxiety. What can you say about that? Well, first I'd like to bust a myth. Okay. 
Let's do it. There's a myth that I need to have an erection in order to feel pleasure. That's I was absurd. hoping you were going to go there. You knew I was going to go there? I was hoping you were, yeah. yeah it's like, well, who cares? Yes, thank you. Know, you. We can even have a climax without an erection. So for people with penises, you don't have to have an erection to have pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I mean, there's so much that could be said about that, but really for a, for a lot of people, that's going to be novel. Like, what are you talking about, Steve? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, maybe we could do next sexual health awareness month. Maybe we can do an entire episode on erectile issues. Is that the correct yeah. term to use? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I have some colleagues that recently did a, a whole thing on a soft cock massage. Mm -hmm. Okay. And pleasure without an erection. Ooh, and pleasure is not an erection. Okay. More notes, yeah. everyone. <laughs> it's not, it's not necessary. It's not required. What's required for pleasure is to have nerves. <laughs> anywhere yeah, true. you and can stroke also, your earlobe i know this is the second time i've mentioned earlobes steve's got uh, a thing but that could be pleasurable <laughs> you could mm -hmm. stroke your arm and that could be pleasurable it's all about attuning your body so if we could look backwards at our at our own relationship to sexuality most of us not everybody but most of us learn about sexual pleasure in under this cloak of shame like I've got to keep it hidden, you know, in our adolescence or pre-adolescence, we have to hide it. It's not talked about in our families. It's not, you know, religion we as well Re for a lot of people who grew shame, up in Christian households. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's, it, there's already this shame around it. In fact, children stimulate their genitals and it's not the same as masturbation. It's self-soothing. It's pleasurable. It's stimulating. But it's not connected to eroticism until our adolescence or pre-adolescence when we connect, oh, that's sex. Mm -hmm. And we already know, though, there's something about it I have to hide. Most of us. There's something about it I need to do privately, or I'm not allowed to do it, or I shouldn't do it, or God will strike me down if I masturbate. Whatever it is. That's how I was raised. Most of us inherit that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what that creates in terms of self-pleasure is the path to pleasure or climax is quick and quiet in a straight line. Mm -hmm. So if this is the time access and this is the pleasure access, it's a straight line. Because we have to get it out of the way because yeah. of the shame and because of hiding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And typically because of our physiology, that's easier for people with penises to travel that pathway quickly. If they're hard. Well, if they have an erection, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then it is typically given our physiology, people with a female body, it generally takes longer for engorgement and, and for stimulation to reach climax. That's not always the case, but that's the generalization. And therefore then formulates later on when we are with partners, that becomes the template for how we engage sexually. I know how to get myself there. Yeah. And it's quick and quiet. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, it's more stimulation, faster stimulation, more pressure will get me there quicker and quieter. Most of us learn some form of that. For people who use vibrators, that can become, they're conditioned to only be able to climax with a vibrator. For people with penises, faster and harder yes the way i learned when i was just learning to masturbate so we don't have much variety when it comes to exploring exploring pleasure and we wonder why sex is so fast 
<laughs> exactly. And that's why we're talking about this because we're going to expand and expand and expand what we think yeah. of as both sex and intimacy. I also yeah. think when it comes to lack of stamina, erectile dysfunction, performance, anxiety, that the more that you can focus on preparing your partner ahead of time and turning them on ahead of time, the less you may struggle with some of these issues because you'll see how turned on they are more often. You said something or, or just a moment ago that segues perfectly into my next point, And that is for vulva owners, foreplay and continuing to have your partner activate you can actually be very effective for preparing the vulva and the vagina for penetration. Because yeah. for people who do want that, mm -hmm. that uh, can be, yeah, I can say from personal experience, ex extremely effective. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that for a second in terms yes. of what's happening phys physiologically with people who have a vulva and a vagina? Please. Is with arousal, there is engorgement. Just like with a penis getting engorged, blood flow increases to the the, the labia and the, the whole pubic area gets engorged. Um, it gets lubricated. The uterus actually shifts position. I with, never really thought about that, to be honest. Yeah, so that it actually shifts position so that penetration, the and women often communicate that their hips become more relaxed and open. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole preparation as your body warms up, you feel like your skin becomes more flushed everywhere. And, and this is true with people who have penises too, you know, uh, blood flow um, and the release of lubrication. So it's, you know, a great way to start to know when if penetration is going to be part of the exploration of this particular engagement that, oh, when I'm prepared and when I'm not. A thousand percent. It's something so good to think about. Uh, I mean, really, I think another misnomer about the female body or uh, vulva owners is you can, uh, a lot of vulva owners have orgasms in their sleep. It doesn't, mm. you know, because you can actually, you know, be thinking about something sexual and come that way. And yeah. so that's, it's really important to know how important this is to very constantly water your relationship. Let's talk about how foreplay improves communication and overall intimacy and bonding between partners. Do you have anything to say about yes. that? Yes, and what comes to mind <laughs> is it's really useful to start to see that when we engage erotically, there's times that I'm going to be doing something to you for you. There are times that I'm going to be doing something to you for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and vice versa, there'll be a time that you're doing something to me for me. And there are times that you're doing something to me for your pleasure, for your curiosity, for your enjoyment. For so, so when you are exploring erotically with a partner, and I think I shared with you the analogy of sports, if we use sports for an example, mm -hmm. there's game day. That's where we're improvising and playing and it kind of goes back and forth with those four modes. I'm doing to you for you. I'm doing to you for me. And you're so, so it's, it's kind of just ebbs and flows. That would be game day. But what would you ever on any sports team have game day without practice day? 
Yeah, I like I like that a lot. And with practice day, there's two parts to it. There's when we're in the locker room talking about the plays. Mm -hmm. And then whereas when we go scrimmage and we make some mistakes and we learn some things. So most of us don't look at sex that way. We think that all the things that I knew about sex from, from self-pleasure and masturbation, which we talked about earlier, is a straight line, mm -hmm. goal-oriented, quickly and quietly, whether you are a male-bodied person or a female-bodied person, most of us are focused on getting somewhere. And I use that template. That doesn't leave any room for exploration. So I always encourage people who are with partners to have a, get, have a practice day. Yeah. You know, and start communicating. What are the things that you like that you already know that you like? Here are some of the things that I like and maybe even demonstrate and a thousand watch percent. and learn. It's like, oh, wow. So that's how you mm. like that. Mm -hmm. oh, that's what that. feels good. Mm. And then you take all of those things and then you scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like sports analogies, we could find another, we could use music. <laughs> you know, you music. learn the notes, you learn the music, and then you practice, but it's not performing for the symphony. You know, it's like practice day. Mm -hmm. And you start and stop. It's like, wait, wait, wait. The woodwind section was off there. Let's go back and do it again. Well, I mean, and some people may even like the rehearsal phase more than the than the Absolutely. performance has <laughs> i've had a few part or i've had multiple partners who are in bands and i can say they look like they were having a lot more fun when they were rehearsing than they did when they were in front of an audience yeah because <laughs> you can make mistakes mm -hmm. i mean when you're playing i mean if you think about play as children it doesn't matter if we make mistakes so how can we map and it's all filled with wonder and curiosity how can we map that way of learning onto our erotic exploration when we're adults, mm -hmm. you know, and, and sex is so serious. What if we make mistakes? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And we're going to talk about this later, but sometimes even scheduling it, scheduling it in and making time for the play. So I think that some people find that to be quite prescriptive and dull, but yeah. you're showing each other that you're prioritizing this and you build up anticipation. And I think that when you have it scheduled in, you can learn new things about how to arouse your partner, like in Absolutely. the moment when it's kind of like, well, we have to do this because it's scheduled and we've committed to doing it rather than, oh my God, we're both, you know, turned on and we're going for it all yeah. because we're already turned on. Yeah. So when we think about, yes, sir. And I just highlight that because that is a very common thing. Like, oh my gosh, we're taking all the spontaneity out of sex. Thank you for saying that. No, that's, oh, it's mm -hmm. just temporary. Yep. It's just for practice day. We're going to put it back in on game day. Yep. So there's lots of room for spontaneity or yeah, the romance. Again, when or we're seduction. expanding, we're expanding Absolutely. here Absolutely. possibilities. So mm -hmm. romance, seduction, spontaneity, that we're not throwing it away. We're just bringing in practice day because we never had practice day. <laughs> it's kind of so like showing good. up for a, a performance and you've never played the guitar before and they hand you a guitar. If there it's like, is, what? If there is anyone coupled listening, I hope you are taking notes because this is so good. And I know that a lot of people do desire companionship. So just everybody take note because this really does. And it adds so much trust, which we'll talk about. Um, 
And it's not just inside the bedroom, which we're, we're going to get to. There yeah. are lots of mental and verbal things that go into activating your partner. And when we do these things, perhaps even when we're not together, the phone is awesome for that. Mm-hmm. And it lets our partner know we're thinking about them. It makes us happy to see our partner. It helps them to open up because our partner is going out of their way to be in touch or to do something for us. Yeah, and I'll add that it's not a just about partner partner erotic exploration. Thank you. It's about self pleasure too. Like, when's the last time you've tried you tried something different with self pleasure? I took a, a course when I was originally training as a somatic sex educator, and we were doing this segment on masturbation coaching. And I'm really I, jealous that you got to do. <laughs> well, I can tell you, <laughs> I, it might be in my future the way things are going. It's so an on. amazing training, and one of the one of the first we were we started out coaching each other, and the coaching was all on Zoom or on phone, and then we'd go away oh, and practice so cool. privately on our own. So I'm talking with the with the with the fellow student, and they're coaching me, and they say, "Okay, next time you masturbate." Uh, what hand do you usually do? And then I said, okay, my right my hand. My dominant okay, hand. Use the yeah. other hand. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and by the way, stand up. And I'm like, what? I haven't stood up to masturbate till I was, since I was a teenager and I had to sneak off to the bathroom. To the shower. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, oh, so if I actually start to introduce some different experiments, that's the only way I'm going to discover anything. I really want to jump in here because what you're saying right now about self-pleasure is making me think of one of my sexy solo dates that I took. And it's Mm -hmm. such a good example of how there was foreplay that I did for myself. And by the time I got into the bath that night, I was so geared up, ready to go. (laughs) I like my womanizer. I'm just going to admit that for the world. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't even get it out of the closet or out of my chest i went to the museum i spent like two hours at the museum i took myself out for a drink i had had my dessert ready for when i got back and then i did this bubble bath and i was so turned on it was crazy and yeah i I used my hand which i actually don't often do to be honest but what that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the intention so that was all foreplay going to the museum Mm mm-hmm there are other people who are going to the museum for an educational experience. You were going to the exa- the museum. It was your intention to to have self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everybody else was like, what's the old uh, when Harry met Sally scene? I'll have what she's having. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. This is one reason I'm excited to have you is I do want to make this very, very pertinent for, for singles. And going back to both coupled relationships and chemicals, your brain releases dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin while kissing and while connecting intimately. And these are feel-good hormones that um, diminish stress, increase happiness, and just get you more excited to see your partner and therefore more excited about engaging intimately with them. And what happens when you lick your own lips? Oh, you? or you suck your fingers. Mm-hmm. So something very similar starts to happen. So if we could map that onto self-pleasure, we could start to see this is way bigger than just a technique to use with a partner. It's all about attuning my body to pleasure and stimulation and enjoyment and curiosity and wonder. 
Yeah, I'm actually sitting here thinking um, I need to lick my lips more often mm-hmm. because that does <laughs> that does sound nice. Um, I actually cool. I'm not doing it right now in the moment because I'm wearing lipstick. Um, but something <laughs> to think about. Maybe I should wear less lipstick. <laughs> One thing I was just thinking of that John Mayer song, Your Body is a Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Well, so is mine. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm only relating to it as my partner's body is a wonderland, my attention is going to be out there, which is wonderful. Awesome, a great way to relate to discovering your partner. But oh, so is my body for me. Yes, I know I really like having my arms touched and I don't think I've ever asked a partner to do that. I do it to myself all the time. Awesome. And I even like in the store, I'm I'm you know wondering sometimes if people are like <laughs> wondering what I'm doing because, and that's another reason why I do wear tank tops so often is because I like having my, my arm completely exposed. Just simply, mm-hmm. it just feels good. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned because of, you know, being interested in this work and also just making myself a priority. A little tip here that you just reminded me of. Um, uh, This can be for any part of your body where you have hair. If you shave, it makes your skin sensitive in a different way. I totally shave my arms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, I suppose that is probably the main reason why is it just feels so damn good everywhere. I'm sitting here. I I know that no one can see me, but I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it in this very moment. (laughs) The other day I shaved part of my leg because I was using some athletic tape on it and I figured, oh, I better shave the hair off. Otherwise I'm going to tear it off and that's going to be unpleasant. (laughs) But after when the, when the hair was gone, I was like, oh, it's, I could feel the cool air on that part of my leg different from the other leg. Oh, wow. How interesting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Everyone's going to be going for their razor after this episode. (laughs) It's it's all in people who don't manscape or or what do they call female scaping? Uh, uh, Manscaping and and grooming your your genitals. Mm -hmm. Try it. Yeah, I would highly suggest it. I'm and, you know, I mean, it's semi controversial for women because, you know, it is natural. And but I will say I groom quite heavily down there. And again, it's because it just feels good. And so I would say different strokes for different folks. But you might want to give it a try if you've never done it before. Yeah. And if you've always done it, let it grow in. Oh, yeah. So so it's not about now making it a rule. In fact, that's the thing I encourage people not to do. Is mm-hmm. once you've got the script, oh, that feels great. Throw it away. Try something different. Because mm. as soon as we turn something into a routine and you're just following a script and your pleasure becomes routine, there's an aspect of pleasure that has it be unfamiliar and an exploration and filled with curiosity. Once it becomes familiar, it's not bad. It's still pleasurable. But when you experiment, it adds a different dimension to it. That's a great tip. And just back to an, another analogy, you're, that's also one one reason you're meant to mix up your skincare products mm, Yeah, is because your skin can get used to it and then it can stop being effective. So yeah. mix it up, keep it, keep it fresh. Yeah. And to keep, to, to keep with the, the different analogies we've been playing with, if you start thinking <laughs> about music, you go to the exact same concert the exact same piece of music, it's never exactly the same, mm-hmm. you know, and this, this, a different conductor directing an orchestra, 
even in a classical piece that's supposed to be pretty much the same, whereas with jazz, you know it's going to be improvisation mixed in. But even with a piece of music that is kind of set on the page, every symphony, every performance is just going to be slightly different. Well, this is, I was listening to a podcast even maybe a couple of years ago about the Grateful Dead. And mm -hmm. people, I mean, people followed them for hundreds of concerts, but because they were an improv band, essentially, yeah. that is what Deadheads would always say, is that it always felt fresh and always felt new. It was always so exciting for them for awesome. that reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is such good stuff. So you and I are both fans of not having sex and intimacy be goal oriented that being said i do know that a lot of people enjoy orgasms i yeah. am one of them <laughs> yeah. um i don't it's not a goal for me yeah um however yeah i'm not i'm not gonna lie you know love it foreplay and yeah. keeping yourself activated if you're a single person or mm -hmm. focusing on keeping your partner activated if you're in a couple, it actually has been shown to increase orgasm frequency. Gotcha. Here's my guess on that, is that you're exploring a range of touch and sensation. So your body is becoming acclimated to feeling more and more pleasure, which is having you come up the pleasure cycle higher and higher into, into more stimulating or erotic experiences and closer to climax. So I would imagine if you're, uh, if you're familiar with traveling the pathway to climax, while at the same time knowing there's not just one trail up the mountain, there's many trails up the mountains, mm, yeah. and, and you're kind of exploring the whole range, you're still making more and more of your pleasure centers available for climax. And just to add to it, there is a place for goal-oriented sex. Okay, thank you. I think it's overemphasized, oh, and yeah. there is there is a place for it. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves climax. Why yeah, not? we're not anti-climax. Yeah, exactly. Let's not throw it away. It's like what? <laughs> I think also when you're already at a, a heightened level, heightened level before you begin, you know, the physical sexual act with someone, including with yourself, that you might be more likely to quote unquote get there just because yeah. you're already. I mean, when it comes to sex, there's the mental arousal and there's the physical arousal, and more emphasis on foreplay really does merge the two, making it more likely that you'll climax. Yeah. And there's also something about climax that can be somewhat of a surprise. It is the point where <laughs> your body I'm blushing over here. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point where your body involuntarily responds to stimulation. So I often use a scale of zero to 10, just as a way to mark and be mindful of what you're experiencing in your body. So zero would be, I'm not aroused at all. 10 would be climax. So where am I in this cycle? And you get to around nine and you're at the point of no return. <laughs> it's like, Aww. cause your body is so stimulated and it's going to take over and take you into that involuntary experience where you're having contractions and ejaculating and, and you're in this state, but there's so much pleasure from zero to nine. And I almost hate to have it be a scale this way. Like what if it's a scale this way where it's all pleasure? Right. And we stop saying 10 is the best part. Mm -hmm. And then I hate this when people call it finishing. 
I want to pull my hair out when people call it finishing. Yeah, totally. Because I never after, thought about that, to be honest. Because after 10, there's still pleasure. Yes. Yeah. There's I mean, still- being held after I climax, I mean, in some ways feels just as pleasurable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's just stop marking it as the end and, you know, have it be the be all end all and just say, oh, this is just a point along the continuum. And there may be several moments where it's like a peak of involuntary pleasure. And there are moments of deliberate pleasure and deliberate stimulation. Like I was saying, there are those surprise moments where, oh, I didn't realize there's this spot here that just got so much stimulation because as we get closer to 10, we focus more and more on our genitals. Well, who's to say you can't have a climax from stroking your nose? I I don't know. Some people can. (laughs) I'm not aware of that, but (laughs) I muzzled off to. um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually thinking um, it was my birthday a few weeks ago. My partner took me on holiday and he came and picked me up and we fooled around a little bit, but we definitely wanted to get on the road. And there had already been, you know, this intention before he came to pick me up of, you know, getting excited and sweet texts. And then we had, you know, this interaction before we left. And then all day long, it was just, I mean, it was was just wonderful. Definitely, you know, lovey-dovey. And then once we got to our Airbnb, we were fooling around. And seriously, I think I must have climaxed within like two minutes tops because it had been like all day long, this buildup. And I wasn't even really aware of it. I didn't know that there was this buildup taking place, but it was, I mean, actually totally awesome and really food for thought. And and I knew that we were going to be doing this episode and it was definitely in my mind, you know, like this is one reason to do it. I didn't need to climax, but it was a really cool experience. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what we talked about earlier is you had an aligned intention Mm -hmm. to have your time together be, have some sort of eroticism. And and it could even be an unspoken intention, but you are both on the same page. This is exciting and pleasurable in an erotic way. It could have been all about affection and togetherness, in which case you would have gotten to the Airbnb and wanted to cuddle and light a fire or, or whatever. So, or do things. <laughs> I mean, that it was are... Aspen. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. So, so, so the experience could have been an either spoken intention or un- unspoken intention that it'd be about t- t- tenderness. Mm-hmm. You know, people have a, a either spoken or unspoken intention around life events Oh, you know? okay. So life events, like certainly when we're grieving and you have a loss of someone, there's an, a spoken or unspoken intention that we're together to grieve around a wedding. It's celebratory, but it not, might not necessarily be erotic. It's about romance or it's about whatever, around an anniversary or birthday. There are certain things. So, so there are spoken and unspoken intentions that are in the life events. So that's actually a really great example. Thank you. Can we yeah. talk about why foreplay promotes exploration and experimentation? Because and this is, again, going back to someone who may be listening, who has gone through a breakup recently. A lot of people talk about maybe how sex became a little ho-hum. A lot of people believe that there's more out there as far as sexual experiences go, but they're not sure how to access it either as a single person or as a couple. So how can foreplay come into play? (laughs) Mm. 
I'd like to reference back practice versus game day. Yes. Or rehearsal versus performance that during there's an aspect of foreplay where if we if we set aside time to take our time and this is practice day or rehearsal day, then I might start to communicate way more. Would you like more of this or less of that? If it's oral sex, where where is it more stimulating? Do you want more moisture or less moisture? I, I use this example a lot when I talk to people. It's like, I remember the first time I had a partner kiss my ears. And yeah, I, like, I guess so, because it's totally your thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, this specific example was like, oh, wow. Mm. It, was, it was like the best. And I'd never had someone kiss my ears before. And then I was sharing that sometime later with a different partner and they were like, oh, and then we were fooling around. They were kissing my ears and they were using way more saliva. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and I was smart enough to say, oh, thank you for remembering. I like that. I like it with less you know, wetness and they were happy to, yes. I didn't invalidate them uh, yeah, or I'm sure floppy wet ear kisses. So they adjusted. <laughs> so when you communicate, you can offer adjustments without invalidating someone's enthusiasm. When we are practicing, you could say, oh, I like this and more of this and less of that. And could you do this? You could learn to find your voice. So this goes back to agency finding your voice and learning to ask for what you truly want. And then your partner can be focused on giving you what you want, not what they think you want. That's how you master foreplay. Perfect. And this leads to the last point that I wanted to make about the importance of all of this is that it leads to greater trust between yourself and yourself and greater trust between partners and no. therefore greater relationship satisfaction. Do you Absolutely. want to say anything about that? Oh, yeah. I tell I told you this before that sex is way more about communication than the act of sex itself. Mm -hmm. So many clients that I work with, the couples I work with, they're saying, oh, we're having problems with sex and blah, blah, blah. And then I find out that they're not communicating about their, all the issues in their relationship. Yeah. I say, well, sex is the easy part. Let's talk about how you're communicating or not communicating. And we start to work on that, their resentments, their regrets, the things aren't working that they're not communicating about. And then their sex starts to get better even before we really start talking about sex. <laughs> then we start talking about sex and we have lots of fun, laughing and funny, you know, fun conversations. Should try this, try this. Oh, how about this? Oh, here's a book. Try this. Oh, there's this great toy. You know, then, then it gets creative because we can't have access to our creativity and our wonder and our curiosity if what's in between us is disappointment, resentment, regret, frustration, why don't you? I mean, my marriage out? was the perfect, perfect example. There was lots of resentment building in other aspects of our relationship. Oh. And that certainly um, the bedroom. Yeah. It all came like, it became this messy, ugly soup of nastiness between the yeah. two of us. <laughs> why don't you take the trash out when you said you would? Actually, Steve, you. yeah, <laughs> we talked about that. This was back when we had Netflix that you had to mail the damn DVD back in. <laughs> oh, my God. The amount of fights that we got into because of him committing to it and yeah. then leaving it still on the little, the little mail thing. And this yeah. actually goes back 
to, I talk about this on the show a lot. If you want to build self-trust, make little commitments to yourself and keep them. Spend five minutes a day stretching, drink your water, whatever it is, tiny little things, and you build self-trust. And then ultimately you start to really, really, really trust yourself and your intuition. And the same goes for partnerships. If your partner tells you that they really enjoy something and they mention it to you, or they say it by text, or they moan a certain way, or just come out and say it and then you do it it builds the trust yeah i'm gonna add something to that if they don't do the things that you've been hinting at stop hinting and actually ask for it a partner that's attuned and hears you hint at something and shows up and gives you that thing they were attuned but a partner who misses it they're not a bad person they just weren't attuned to your desire So then if you now just make them wrong for not being attuned, you're going to miss the opportunity to say, oh, will you buy me flowers? Yeah. And actually ask for what you want rather than resenting that you didn't get it when you hinted at it. Or maybe didn't hint at it. And yeah. I'm uh, anyone who wants to date me, I'm cool with the flower situation. So <laughs> as <laughs> you can tell, you. <laughs> <Yeah>. sunflowers, <laughs> I'm guessing. And daisies. Daisies, I can I love, see. love daisies. And you know what? Funnily enough, and this is actually no complaint of any partner I've ever had because they are a simple, inexpensive flower. Um, I don't think I've ever had uh, anyone buy me daisies. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, it's my like thing. My tattoo is of a daisy. Uh-huh. Um, but and, ser- and like really, I've gotten very expensive, fancy uh, bouquets. And I'm sure that, you know, that's one reason because the daisy is so ubiquitous. Hint, hint. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing the I'm seeing the image of a little boy with some cut daisies that he 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 cut from the neighbor's lawn right. <laughs> and brings to his little girlfriend. <laughs> it works. They're happy, mm-hmm. cheery. They go with everything. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're awesome. going to come back. And Steve and I are both going to run through a little list of how to do foreplay. And you know what? We're halfway or more than halfway through the episode. I don't have another term yet to use, so we're just going to run with it. We'll keep calling it foreplay for keep now. Keep calling it foreplay activation. Um, so we're, I'll be really quick. Don't go anywhere. How about instead of calling it foreplay, we just call it play? play I'm play. on board. I'm on board with that. Yes. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's do it. I don't know. We'll keep we'll keep looking for the right term. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. I'm really excited about the name change. So <laughs> Steve and I were just saying to each other, um, maybe just calling it play would work. So we're going to play with that. Before we get into how to do foreplay how to play i follow sex with emily i think that she is great and on her social media yesterday she had apparently interviewed someone named elise lonan who i'm actually not familiar with but there was this lovely quote on her instagram and it said our bodies are portals lust is the invitation to enter and I actually thought that that kind of that really applied to to this this episode. And I think that when we build this with ourselves and when we build this with our partners, that we are giving the invitation for for more. And so I, mm. I wanted to point point that out. Our bodies are portals. Lust is the invitation to enter. Mm. And that is by influencer Elise Lonan. Yeah. I'd love to expand on that. 
why just lust? You know, what about curiosity? What about playfulness? Well, don't you think when you're curious or wait, I mean, I think curiosity and lustfulness or curiosity and lust, I think that kind of goes hand in hand. I think I probably need one to have the other personally. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're definitely connected. Lust, mm -hmm. desire, curiosity, wonder. I haven't used the term lust a lot. I'm going to sit with that and, and, and let it ruminate. Okay. Because lust, um, you know, for me, lust is always associated with sex. And when I talk about sex in general, I'm more focused on pleasure, which to me seems like a, a broader expanse. Yeah, I guess lust implies urgency, perhaps? Yeah, it does to me. Yeah. I don't know this influencer or writer. I'm not negating what she's saying. I'm just being curious about it. Yeah, I can tell. And I'm enjoying that. So yeah, let me know if anything else comes to yeah. you. I can really tell, yeah, that that's, um, it's activated something. Yeah, I'm actually, I might follow up with you even after this episode to see if you had any more thoughts about lust. Mm -hmm. So as far as how we go about doing this, keeping yourself activated, keeping your partner activated, setting the stage possibly for not only sex, but for sex that is exciting and sex that is romantic and intimate and satisfying and fulfilling with yourself and someone else. What are some ways that we can do this? Mm. First of all, foreplay or mm, play can involve sweet, romantic things that you tell your partner on a daily basis without forgetting. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm thinking about now that when you talk about setting the stage, mm -hmm. um, when our intentions are aligned, that we're going to engage in erotic play, there's things that precede that, hints and romantic gestures Yes. Affection that might not necessarily be sexual. Overt erotic hints. Yes, like also you know? raunchy things that you raunchy say or things do. Raunchy things can be part of it too. <laughs> Smacking your partner on the butt or squeezing their <laughs> you know, genitals or whatever. Those could be part of your play vocabulary with your partner. If you stumble across it and it works, it's like, oh, so so there's there's got to be room for experimentation in pre-foreplay if we if we want to call it well yeah I, one of the things i have on my list is it could in a in a healthy relationship with yourself and other people it could definitely it does definitely include the things that you do when sex is not even on the table yeah. because it's building trust and that yeah. and trust builds intimacy and intimacy builds sexual desire there's something that i that comes up a lot with couples is how to give and receive a no that I don't want to step Ooh. over because if I am aroused and want to be erotically playful with you, whether that means just being erotically playful or having sex, and I express that desire somehow, either subtly or overtly, and you in that moment are a no, can you express your no while still ce celebrating my desire? Can you say, oh, I love that you're turned on. <laughs> I'm a no. Yeah. That leaves my it, my desire over here with me where I now have a choice. Okay, well, I could go self-pleasure. I'd know, have I to could, say this probably wouldn't be my strongest suit. Yeah, so I'm appreciating that you're, that you're saying this. If your partner really wanted to have sex and you were not a yes, 
can you empower and really celebrate that they want to? So then it could be like, I'm not, I'm not a yes. And by celebrate, I don't mean engage with them. So they could say, okay, well, I'm going to go masturbate. Do you want me to leave the room? Do you want to leave the room or do you want to stay and watch? Yeah. I really like that idea a lot. Yeah. So that leaves my desire over here with me at a choice where I could play with myself. Yeah. I I, want to engage in eroticism. My preference is with you. Do you want to play? And then you're a yes or a no. And I could still be engaged with my desire, even if you're a no. I think it might be a good practice if anyone is in a partnership right now to maybe say in the next week and have this be consensual thing with your partner, maybe play with that. Maybe say in the next week, we want to express a no to each other. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. I I encourage people to practice Hmm. giving and receiving no's. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm just like mind blown right now. The way you listen to your partner can Mm -hmm. be a form of play and activation. Intentional activation. How about that for a term? I'm writing that down. Yeah. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Intentional activation. I'm going to write that down too. (laughs) Yay. So the way we listen to our partner can be a form of intentional activation. And this kind of goes back to what we've been circling back to on and on, which is trust paying attention, and building up the anticipation outside of the expectation for sex. Everybody go and listen to two episodes ago. I did an episode on nonviolent communication, and a lot of it we kept on returning to just practicing listening. And Mm. so there's a lot in that episode about how, how to do that. A lot of people wait to talk rather than actually listening. And if you're really, really listening, you will remember what your partner said. Plus, it just feels good. And if you feel good, you're going to be more excited. Mm-hmm. Massage is kind of a typical one, but I think it's worth noting. And I think when it comes to massage, what's good is I think asking for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking from personal experience. I would say it's not something that I enjoy. It's definitely not my go-to. Giving or receiving? Both. Yeah. 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 I think giving, I find a bit exhausting, to be honest. I actually was a massage therapy student for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I know for me, I would like my partner to ask for it because I would probably Mm -hmm. not go for it. I mean, being asked for it, uh, that would definitely excite me. But I'm probably never going to offer a massage. (laughs) Spun, sexy games and toys. Again, this is a little obvious, but it's something that can be a fun way to mix things up. There's lots of games. I really like the sexy dice, mm-hmm. personally, things like that. Um, playing with toys. Some might consider that to be sex, but I think it's all intertwined. Shopping for toys together, maybe Mm -hmm. buying a toy for your partner, whether Mm -hmm. or not you use it together can be a great form of foreplay. And look, I'm just throwing it out there. Gifts in general, or actually not just gifts, but learning your partner's love language and then trying to speak it. I thought of gifts because that's my love language, but for Mm -hmm. other people, it's going to be the other love languages. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, get the book, ask your partner to take the quiz, find out what their love language is, and then really make an effort. So I'm actually on Dr. Gary Chapman's mailing list. 
each week he sends out a newsletter with different ideas of things that you can do for your partner based on their love language. And it's mm. fun. If you're making uh -huh. an effort to do that, not only is your partner going to be just generally happier, they are going to see the effort that you're putting in. And I think mm. that that is a wonderful way to build intimacy and anticipation. I love that. I have a couple here that I was thinking of. Uh, there's something that one of my colleagues coined the term pervertibles. Revertibles? Pervertibles, per pervertibles. <laughs> oh my and goodness. What that is, is everyday objects that could be used in a sexual way. So you could create a special date where you go to the 99 cent store with your partner and you each walk up and down the aisles choosing things. Yeah, exactly. A little ruler or a wooden spoon. I and just pulled each, out my ruler, everyone. There you go. <laughs> you each have $10 or $5 even. And you go buy some things what? in the 99 cent store. You're both there walking through the 99 cent store, excited, knowing that this is foreplay and everybody else is just buying a wooden spoon for cooking. Oh my God. That is awesome. That is such a cute idea for a date. Oh, Ooh, yay. Oh, wow. Pervertibles. Yeah. Fantastic. You start to get creative in the aisles and giggling and everybody else says, what are they giggling about? Oh, that's so great. It makes me actually think the other day I was scrolling on Instagram and I actually shop a lot on Instagram, like vintage mm -hmm. stuff. And I was scrolling through and someone was selling some old wooden handheld mirrors. Mm. And when, as I was scrolling through, I was like, damn, she's selling paddles <laughs> because, you know, I'm more kinky minded yeah. and I'm like, you know, that just goes to show the viewer because I was so taken back by the fact that she was selling paddles and I looked a little closer and they're just handheld mirrors, but you know, <laughs> it, it could have been a pervertible for me. Exactly. <laughs> Though I'm not sure if that would be the safest pervertible, a handheld yeah, mirror. Break. Yeah. Be safe out there, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for me? Naked cuddling. Oh, yeah. Naked cuddling. Yeah, you're right. With no agenda. No agenda, but just skin to skin contact mm. and how good that feels. Yeah, I think this is one reason it, I suggest and encourage people to sleep naked. I think mm -hmm. that it builds just sensuality with yourself if you're sleeping yeah. alone. I mean, the feeling of sheets against naked body and uh compared to wearing some pajamas which i just can't i don't understand i don't get pajamas yeah. um and then also when you're sleeping next to somebody yeah and just kind of brushing up against one another can be yeah yeah very very intimate especially when yeah. you know if you're fast asleep there's not necessarily an agenda or i would assume there's not an agenda for sex yeah <laughs> Well, then there's also naked cuddling with the agreement that you're not going to have sex, but you're going to allow yourselves to feel arousal, mm -hmm. feel your desire mm -hmm. to actually have it become something. But no, okay, we're not going to. I think that this is important, especially perhaps if you are already in bed, to put that out there. Because I think there can be in both people's minds the idea that once you actually start touching and cuddling, that maybe the other person is expecting this to go somewhere. And yeah. so I think it can be really good to be verbal about this. Mm -hmm. Let's Like, is it cool with you if we just cuddle or if it, is it cool with you if we just touch and be really out there? Because for me, I think sometimes I can get in my head. You know, yeah. like, oh, I don't necessarily want sex. We are like, what is he thinking? Well, well use your words. Yeah. 
And, and may, I offer, may I offer a little adjustment there? Yes. You said, is it cool with you if we just cuddle? Is it yes. cool with you if we don't have sex? Well, what is your position in the matter? Oh, you're, you're so right. Wow. Like who's now responsible for your sexual relationship? You just gave it over to them rather than, yeah. hey, I lo would love to just cuddle naked. Does that work for you? Yeah. Are you willing to just cuddle naked with me? I would love to cuddle and not have sex tonight. Does that work for you? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to do that with me? So you're actually stating your desire. And that goes back to what I was saying before about celebrating your partner's desire. If you're even if you're not in the same place, and then your partner can say, yeah, I, I'm aligned with that. That would feel really nice. Or gosh, I really want to have sex. <laughs> I'm really desiring a climax. And then it comes back to you and say, okay, well, I'm a no. So then they're left with their desire and had a choice about whether they're going to sell pleasure. Do you want me to leave the room? Do you want to leave the room? Or do you want to watch? That was a wonderful you, adjustment. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And you could celebrate them even if you're a no. Yeah. I'm still mm -hmm. clear I'm not going to participate. But I, I love that you desire that. And then uh, I have another kind of leads to there's a technique that a lot of people have heard of called edging. Are you familiar Ooh, with that? Think, I absolutely am. And yeah. I love that you're bringing this up. This is a hot topic right now. Go for it. Edging is bringing yourself or your partner mm -hmm. as close to climax as you can and backing off the stimulation. So you don't actually climax. Now, some people do it as a series of rising and falling in the arousal cycle, bringing themselves close to climax and then backing off and settling and letting their erotic energy settle and come down and then rising again and coming down and rise could be incredibly pleasurable and some people actually complete without ever climaxing and some people then eventually after going through the cycle several times decide okay i'd like to climax now <laughs> i need I it climax <laughs> so that could be edging and then there's a, another piece to it with which could be climax denial okay which has an element of dominance and submission in it where one partner is deliberately withholding the kind of stimulation that would bring them to climax. So you're denying a climax. Mm -hmm. And then there's even a kinky practice called forced orgasms. I have uh, experimented with this yeah. a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And that is a goal oriented yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of stimulation <laughs> where one partner is focused on bringing their partner to climax frequently, repetitively, going from zero to 10 and staying in the eight, nine, 10, eight, nine, 10, eight, nine. So the graph is like, high, mm -hmm. you know, going up there <laughs> and that can be exciting and pleasurable too. Uh, yes. And so I think I would just want to bring back all the things that you just said. These are very intentional practices that you do with either yourself or someone else. Um, they're very consensual things that you do with yourself or someone else. And particularly when it comes to edging, I strongly encourage anyone listening who is single right now to practice this on their own. Yes. This is an amazing thing to uh, incorporate into your self-pleasure routine. There are so many resources out there about masturbation and edging. And yeah. I I mean, you might not even think you need a partner when you <laughs> if you can learn how to mm -hmm. edge with yourself. <laughs> and if we do another segment on erectile issues and arousal mm -hmm. issues or ejaculation choice, which is what I call people when they talk about premature ejaculation, I actually call it ejaculation choice. So for male-bodied people who have challenges with that, if we do another podcast around that, 
you can learn a lot with edging. You can learn a lot about yeah. your own body in that way. So that could be a fun and pleasurable practice where you actually learn. If you are listening to this on Spotify, please go to the Q&A right now and let us know, would you like an episode on erectile dysfunction issues? I want to hear from you. Awesome. We're probably going to do it anyways, but <laughs> go awesome. right now, hit the Q&A and let me know. Let us know. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. So here's another one. What about an old fashioned makeout? <laughs> I'm really glad that you are bringing this up. Yes. Either in public, standing, in bed, let's just kiss. Or what would we say when we were in junior high? Pash. <laughs> oh, did you? We call it yeah. making, making out. Yeah. In Australia as well, they call it pashing. And what do they call it? Snogging in the UK. <laughs> That's right. Snogging. <laughs> it's funny because someone said that they had a good snog once to me. Yeah. And I completely thought that they had, had sex. Yeah. And so I brought it up a couple of weeks uh, later and I'm like, you know, you didn't really mention like, how was it? And she goes, oh, you know, it's all, all right. I'm like, but you hadn't had sex in such a long time. And she's like, we didn't have sex. What are you talking about? <laughs> you mm -hmm. said you snogged him. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you went for a drive, parked the car in Lover's Lane? Remember oh, Lover's Lane? That is so that great. a makeout. Jumped yeah. into the backseat. Mm -hmm. And this is also something that you can schedule. I think a spontaneous makeout sounds super, super great. I don't know how spontaneous it is if you're pulling the car over, but, <laughs> um, you know, Steve and I are both orgasmic meditation practitioners. And so, Steve, you will undoubtedly be familiar with the practice of scheduling a makeout. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it was something I really enjoyed about the community, actually. Yeah. We use that term makeout really broadly. Oh yeah. <laughs> it could mean everything from going to going for a walk and holding hands or full on sex. And I love that because then you're forced to define it and talk about, okay, well, what are we going to do in this makeout? Yeah. And I, I mean, this is just foreplay, like seriously at its core or just like pure foreplay because, you know, you're jumping on the attraction that you have with someone. Then you're intentionally inviting them to something. Then you're setting the stage and you're texting before then. And often it would be very explicit communication about what you wanted this hour or two hours to, to entail. And by yeah. the time, you know, you get to your scheduled makeout, I mean, the, the, I mean, you are fully activated mm -hmm. and this goes to what my last suggestion is. And then we will go to your next suggestions. And that is, and I will say that I particularly want the penis owners out there to pay attention to this. <laughs> and that is <laughs> preparing the room for sex or intimacy. If you intend to use your bed or your bedroom for intimacy that night, that day, that weekend, putting a little effort into setting the physical stage or setting or making the environment conducive to that can go a long way in both people becoming activated. I know for myself, this is a very regular practice for me. If I'm having someone over with the intention or expectation of a sexual encounter, I will almost always turn down the covers. I have a nice mm. duvet. I don't really want to have sex on top of it. And then that puts in my head that this is happening. Every time I walk in there, I see that the bed is prepared. And then when they come over, they kind of see that. And it also makes it like more effortless. 
to just go for it. And so yeah. I would highly recommend considering your physical environment if you're intending or expecting to have sex there. Can I run with that a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. And stand on it because <laughs> when you, my, I always make my bed. That's why I my do that. My bedroom is not too masculine and it's also not too feminine. <laughs> I want it to be welcoming. I love what you said about uh, pulling the, the covers back. I haven't thought of that, but that could be too much if I have a first date over. But if I have someone <laughs> who's already been a lover, I could actually do that. Oh, that's great. I love that. So have I recently dusted and vacuumed? You know, so like, am I always having my physical environment be a space that is welcoming for sensuality and sexuality and also attuned, not overt, not too overt? Unless that's <laughs> right, with already... a video camera and lube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if that was part of my relationship already, like if this was a lover that I had for a long time and we talked about the video camera <laughs> yes. and one day I set it up and it's was like, oh, game on, you know, it could uh, be yes, the perfect listening. thing. Yeah. So attunement. And, Ugh. you know, so since you said a lot of single people might be watching this, is your physical space set up to create an experience for whoever you're inviting over? I, I, have I suggest linen spray for your sheets. And along mm -hmm. the, those lines, I don't know how you feel about this, Steve, but I think those damn sheets need to be washed each week, regardless if, you, if you're in for a relationship sure. or not. I am a stickler about this. When I was single and not even having sex or dating, I still did it. And now mm -hmm. I still do it. Everybody, please. Wash your damn sheets. <laughs> You'd be surprised, not, Steve. I agree. I have not done this, but I have a friend who used to have her sheets pressed. Mm. You, like you go to a hotel, they iron the sheets. They're crisp. And I was like, oh, I've never done that at home. Someday I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. I like that. And again, when you get in to your bed alone, you're already feeling comfortable, sexy. You've done something for yourself. And so you'll be more relaxed and more in the mood. And if yeah. you have someone over, you'll be more comfortable. They'll see that they're fresh. And here's another hot tip. Have a few nice sets of sheets. Yeah. If they get worn out, get rid of them. Yeah. So Steve, I saw you making notes. Do you have anything else for us? I can't believe I haven't said this yet. This is my top tip <laughs> for anyone. Oh engaging erotically with themselves or a partner or partners. Yes, we got to be clear on this. We're very this, poly um, inclusive. This, yes, on this, this show. is the be all end all suggestion, advice, <laughs> hot tip that I say all the time. Sometimes people listen. A lot of times people do not listen. Slow down. Oh, yeah, you're right. We haven't mentioned this. Take your time. It allows for so much learning, especially on practice day. Yeah, I think this is important because in the media, in porn, in movies, in TV shows, the things that are depicted that so many of us are exposed mm -hmm. to from even a young age do show often, if not most of the time, this really harried and hurried sexual experience. And sure, it's reality. People want that. But mm -hmm. there's so much more than throwing the woman up against the wall and 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 going for it. But I think that because we're conditioned to believe that sex has to happen, you know, in the moment and in like a frenzy, <laughs> yeah. that uh, we don't consider what it even means to slow down. 
there's a whole field of profession, a whole profession now in the entertainment business uh, called intimacy coordinators. I can't believe you're mentioning that because I just sent my friend two weeks ago an article that I came across on the New York Times about this. I was yeah. like, have you heard of this before? Hell yeah. yeah. And it's so needed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I now it's hard watching TV shows that are like network, network TV where it's not graphic, but they're kissing one minute and then they're tearing each other's clothes <laughs> off. And it's like, or waking up the next day. That's not what happens <laughs> in real life. Mm -hmm. there, and again, there's somehow there's always a wall involved. Or, you know. <laughs> and it's teaching people to think that you're going to kiss for, for 30 seconds and then your clothes are going to come off. It's like, <laughs> you guys should see his face. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. What? And mm. so, so what that shows to teenagers who yeah. are just learning to explore their sexuality, that nobody's learning to kiss. Nobody's learning to hold hands. Yeah, they kiss for too. 30 seconds and then they start taking their clothes off because that's what was modeled for them. And if you think about it, when I was growing up and certainly my parents, people would hold hands for weeks before they ever kissed. And then they kissed and then it slowly progressed. Now, I'm not saying that they had any better sex lives than people nowadays, but they allowed <laughs> their curiosity to grow and to kind of simmer a little bit. Yeah. Rather than go from zero to eight. And this is why I think some things like massage or games or touch can be really useful because it it, sl it slows the encounter down. But also I think overall play slash foreplay helps uh, uh, the slowing down and helps to just like generally sp spread things out. Especially, you know, if you are really intending to have sex the next time you see the person you're dating, starting things a week in advance, 48 hours in advance, or not even thinking about it as starting it, just kind of keep it generally going. Sending a sexy message the day before or two days before, that is, yeah, really slowing things down and letting the anticipation build, but also letting the chemicals build up too. How else do you think that you can slow down when the expected outcome between both of you is that either sex or penetration or intercourse will be taking place? Mm. Well, it brings me back to that word attunement, you know, and building in pauses. Oh, like, that's perfect. So tell us about building in pauses. Like, oh, okay, yeah. let's say you and I have had a certain number of dates and we're anticipating that we're going to have sex. You know, maybe we've made out a few times, maybe it's progressed and now we're anticipating. So, so first of all, it's really tricky. The first time you are going to have penetrative sex and clothes are going to come off because yeah. you want it to be spontaneous. You want it to feel romantic. You want it to be seductive and all those things that would preclude or would not include planning and talking about it. So the first cup time or a couple of times, <laughs> you might want to just say, okay, it's going to be a free for all and we're going to see how it goes. Talk about safe sex is the one thing that I would ask everybody, at least talk yeah. about protection. <laughs> and if you're going to talk about it anyways, and maybe there is going to be this cultural shift where we talk about everything before we do it. Yeah. And maybe the first few times is choreographed 
and well-planned and well-thought-out. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe we plan to bring spontaneity and romance and seduction in later. Maybe that's a cultural shift that needs to happen. Maybe that's worth talking about in a future uh, future, uh, podcast. Well, I actually just wrote down a note about doing an episode on first time sex or sex for the first time. I don't want it to be about virginity. (laughs) I just just because I'm not an expert on that. But yes, I actually think that that would be a good episode because I've spoken with so many people who are dating again after a breakup who really struggle for so many reasons. I'm having sex with a partner for the first time. So let's circle back to that. For sure. And, and, you know, given that, and I, this is an assertion I'm making, we're shifting from, uh, we're shifting to consent-based culture. You know, we're, 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 you know, coming through where Me Too really uh, highlighted publicly and very, very clearly in the media that, you know, partners are feeling taken advantage of that there are aggressors and perpetrators and there are victims and that has become like crystal clear now. And and for the most part in heteronormative culture, it's the females that feel disempowered and, and men who who feel like they've either been in the role of the perpetrator uh, or they're oblivious to it or they're being labeled that. So there's all the permutations of what that has brought to our culture. And I think one of the positives is that we're moving into a consent-based culture, a consent-based narrative. So if that is the direction we're moving in, then maybe we should. what we should do is have first-time experiences be well-talked about. Well, same- I'm always... I'm always telling people if you are struggling with boundaries or communication in general and you're dating someone new, the most basic thing that you can do is talk about safe sex because it's one of the most important things. And if you can talk about that, you can probably talk about anything. Yeah. But it's something that people shy away from. And so if you can psych yourself up to even send one text or when you're having drinks, just say, you know, how do you normally use protection? How do you feel about it? Do you have protection back at your place? Are you on? If you can do that, you can do anything. And what if that was foreplay? Oh, yeah. And in fact, I have talked about it on the show, you you know, like come up with a sexy, cute way to ask because it might actually add to the experience. Yeah. And then make it more relaxing as well. Yeah. I taught a class once called making consent sexy. Mm. You know, what if we, what if we had these, (laughs) what if we had had these conversations be fun and playful and and what if we talked about sex and we laughed about sex Mm -hmm. and we talked about it (laughs) and we talked about previous foibles and faux pas that we've done and our partners have done. And Oh my God, the times time that we fell off the bed, we were doing everything wrong and laughed about it. Um, but one of the things I, I invite people, I wrote this down, to eradicate from their speaking is he or she is such a bad kisser or he or she is such a bad lover or they did this or they didn't do that. And look from a different perspective, because if you could look at your past experiences and see that you weren't responsible for something, see, mm-hmm. they weren't a bad kisser. They just didn't kiss you the way you like to be kissed. And you were too scared or lazy to tell them how you like to be kissed. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're willing to confront your own fear, embarrassment, uncomfortableness, laziness, then you will never, if you're willing to confront that, you will never have a bad lover again. Our pleasure is our own responsibility, whether or not we're in a relationship. I agree with that, including when it comes, not especially, including when it comes to foreplay. Yeah. To play. Play, play. (laughs) (laughs) So Steve and I really wanted to talk about aftercare as a form of foreplay. We were going to touch on it and then do a follow-up episode. At this point, we're going to leave it for today, but I want everybody to please make sure that you're following Breakups, Broken Hearts, and moving on because we are going to do a follow-up episode on aftercare, afterplay, what it is, why it's important, how it's a form of foreplay. Uh, So please, we're going to get that scheduled uh, soon. Steve, what do you want to leave us with? Hmm. I, first of all, in case you don't notice by now, I love my work. I love supporting (laughs) people in their exploration, whether it's around their erotic exploration or their relationships or just a relationship to themselves and their own personal growth. So if anyone, uh, just from being on this podcast, uh, or listening, uh, feels connected to me and wants to reach out, they're welcome to do so. And I always do a free consult with people to see if we're a good fit. If you're single or in partnership, Steve's work is very, very expansive. Can you maybe in a very quick nutshell, because I know you need to go, how would you work with singles on expanding possibilities for pleasure? Yeah, well, we do a lot of talk about self, self-exploration, self-pleasure, knowing what you want. I think one of the fundamental things, whether I'm working with an individual or a couple or someone who's in a couple is finding your voice, knowing that your voice matters, finding Mm -hmm. relationships and connections with people where, you know, your, your voice will be honored and appreciated and valued. Um, And noticing when you've, when you've chosen those kinds of relationships that, that don't honor and value it, what, what's happened in your past, you know, and why you've been drawn to that. So it's been, it's always a wonderful exploration. And one of the key things about my work with people is that it's guided by them, guided by their curiosity, their desire to learn, their desire to explore. It's not like I follow some protocol or lesson plan. You know, people come to our conversations with the things that they find challenging, with the things that they uh, are curious about, where they wanna grow and expand, problems they might have um and it's all free you know free for free for all you know it's like we go where where they're curious um you know we even talk about their relationship with their parents or their family or their history whatever emerges in sessions um is fair game for growth and learning what how can people get in touch with you and everybody please go to the show notes uh steve is a very well-respected person in this industry in this space i happen to know that because i have colleagues who have high respect for him and i've also been working with him for a while so if this at all activates you turns you on if you're curious go to the show notes i will make sure that you can get in touch with steve uh what do you how do you prefer people reach out to you email is always great they can email me at steve at theremedyonline.com so theremedyonline.com um they could find me on instagram i'm not very active on instagram but you <laughs> can still right. find me there um and it is what is my instagram my in- instagram is steve underscore oscard is that me 
I am going to link to it. You can just go to the show notes, give it a little click, get in touch awesome. with Steve and activate your, your life. <laughs> yeah. And it's always fun to be with you. So thank you for having me. And uh, I love to uh, share about my work. I do all kinds of fascinating stuff. You certainly do. I'm really appreciative of you coming on. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to everyone who's supporting the show. Thank you to everybody who's supporting the name change. If you liked this episode, I would love you to let me know by leaving me a five-star rating and review on Apple. You can also DM me and just let me know what you thought of the episode. If you're going through a breakup, hit me up. I'm here for you. And I will see you next week. And Steve, I will see you you uh numerous times i believe in the next month uh, <laughs> but we're coming back here for multiple additional episodes i think the next one we're going to do is going to be on aftercare i think that would be a great follow-up we're going to do edging we're going to do first time sex we're going to be doing let's talk about consent so everyone keep your <laughs> eyes <laughs> on this space and i am sending you strength for the week ahead awesome. bye bye